You're listening to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Check us out online at southmetroministries.com. Now, let's join in on worship and the word. But you know, one of the things that uh, is great about our pastor and our pastoral team is that here at South Metro Ministries, there are some fantastic anointed preachers. And so why they allowed me to speak this morning, I'm not sure, other than I paid pastor like $50 and here I am. So, but I am delighted to be here today and give you this word that God has placed in my heart. I hope and pray that you had a Merry Christmas and that you will have a happy New Year. Hey, let me ask you this question. How many of you this uh, Christmas, you traveled somewhere or family or friends came in and traveled in to spend time with you? Show of hands. Wow, it's quite a lot. Um... This is an honor for me because my family is with me today, and they traveled all the way from Florida to be with us, and I was hoping that instead of making the long trip that they might fly instead of drive, but um, they decided to drive, and my sister got stuck in some major traffic and turned a six-hour trip into more like a ten-hour trip. Um, a few miles ahead of them was a uh, like a mobile home that exploded on fire, and uh, so they took a detour, went to Warm Springs, jumped in the water, and uh, here they are today. My mom and dad, they're here. Kimberly is here. Lakeland is not here. <laughs> but you know, when we travel, we have a couple different options and some ways that we can travel. Um, one of the things that many of you choose to do when you travel is to jump on an airplane. Uh, how many of you have ever been on an airplane before? Raise your hand. How many of you have not? How many of you are afraid to fly, but you do it anyway? Okay, a few, a little less in the first service. Uh, I remember, Amanda, I don't know if you remember this or not, the first airplane trip we ever took. It was to see our Aunt Barbara, and she was real sick in body. And I, I was younger, and Amanda, who is significantly older than I am, um, she and I, we headed out to the Tampa airport, and we were going to make a simple flight from Tampa all the way to Pensacola to see her and the family. And I remember being, I don't know if you remember like I do, but I was so nervous and so afraid of what might happen. I mean, it was the first time that I'd ever been on an airplane. And so we load the airplane, and my sister's trying to calm me down and make sure that I'm going to be okay. And I guess that, if I remember correctly, it's been some years ago, but there were about three people in a seat or two and then one right next to us. And word got to the man next to us that this was my first flight. And I'm not sure if it was Amanda or this guy, but somewhere about 30 minutes into the flight, one of them yelled, the wing is on fire. And all I remember is just panicking because I thought the whole plane was going down. Um, but it didn't. Praise God. You know, when you go to the airport to take that trip, there's a process that is involved, especially post 9-11. The process to board the plane is a little bit more uh, strategic than it once was. And you approach the desk, you have your luggage, you have your bags, you make your way through the crowd, and you begin to go through that process. Uh, now they want to see your boarding pass, your driver's license, social security card, income tax return, blood type. The list just keeps going on and on and on, right? I mean, it's just a, a process, but we're thankful for it for our protection. But it never fails. When you get to the counter and you're almost ready to give them that luggage, the man or woman behind the counter always asks this very important question. How many bags will you be checking in? Um, you know, many airlines at one time, you could check in bags and there was no additional cost. Now, possibly because of the economic crisis, 
Times have changed and it's a little bit expensive to check certain bags. I don't know if anybody loves television commercials as much as I do, but there is one by Southwest Airlines. Have you seen the commercial where they're bragging about how you can check in your bags for free? It's a great commercial. Go to YouTube. Check it out. Uh, But they never fail to ask you, how many bags will you be checking in? Now, one of the things that I've come to realize is that when you travel, regardless of if it's a business trip or for pleasure or vacation or whatever it might be, there's always two types of luggage that you can check in. A, first one, is the check-in stuff. It's the stuff that you want to put underneath the plane. Right. Then there's the smaller items that are known as the carry on stuff. This is the stuff that you want to make sure that if anything is needed, it's right there. It's the important stuff. Um, things like starburst. Right. It's the graham crackers. It's the little things that you can sneak on. It's the carry on items. Now, the luggage you check in is the big stuff. Fellas, for you, it's your golf clubs. Even though you want to carry those around, you've got to check them in, get them under the plane. Ladies, for you, it's your suitcase that is full of shoes and clothes and shoes and clothes and blow dryers and blow torches. (laughs) It's oh, hey, it's full of just all of this stuff. And you've got to check it in because this suitcase is enormous in size. Mom, I don't know if we ever told you this story, but one time Kimberly and I, we were making a trip for the holidays to see everybody in Tampa. And so here's a little plug. We flew AirTran. And AirTran allowed us to check a bag uh, for free up to the 50-pound weight requirement. Well, at the house the night before the trip, Discussing what we would be packing with Kimberly, I had the idea, let's share a suitcase. (laughs) And so Kimberly, you know, to my surprise, was all about it, and she begins to pack first. And so just imagine the suitcase. It's the biggest one we have. And from here over is Kimberly's stuff. And then right here in the little corner, it's got a little post-it note that says, you know, here's your space. And so I'm shoving everything I can into that one corner, hoping, you know, that I don't leave anything behind. And so off we go to the airport. Now, I don't know if you've ever picked up a suitcase that you know is overweight, but you can tell with every fiber in my being, I was trying to lift this suitcase. I mean, my hands were sweating, you know, my back was ripping. And so we get to the counter and the whole time I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, please be 50 pounds, please be 50 pounds. And so with a little assistance from a man nearby, we lifted this suitcase onto the scale and in slow motion we watched the numbers increase higher and higher and higher tears begin to run down the cheeks because you know there's a penalty right you know you've got to pay the additional cost when the thing stopped climbing it was 70 plus pounds of shoes well i don't know about you but i'm a financial piece Dave Ramsey graduate, I will not pay a penalty. So I told Kimberly, let's redistribute the weight. So we pulled the suitcase back. You ever want to be humbled? Pull out your underwear in the Atlanta airport. People all over the place, you remember, laughing and looking at us. And the whole time I was like, I'm saving money. (laughs) And so finally we redistribute the weight and we get it back on the scale and it made it. And Kimberly and I, we did our little happy dance because I saved me like $50 and off we went on our trip. It's the luggage, the heavy stuff. 
I'm sure it was my fault because of all the stuff that I packed in that suitcase. Um, you know, Kimberly is beautiful. You should say amen. And so I'm not complaining about the amount of clothes that she packs or the things that she takes on trips. But one of the things that I've learned not to do in my marriage is to ask, what are you doing? When we began to take our first trip and I realized that the suitcase was just astronomical in size, I said, what, what do you need all of that stuff for? Any, any men know what I'm talking about? You better be careful. <laughs> yeah. And this is what she told me. And ladies, maybe you understand because it took me a while. But she said, oh, 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 those are the just in case clothes. I didn't know what it meant. I wasn't understanding what the just-in-case clothes meant. I mean, I've got the bare necessities, you know. And she went on to explain, well, when we get to Florida, just in case your family wants to go to the beach, I've got this outfit. And when we get there, just in case your family wants to go to a nice restaurant, then I've got this outfit. And just in case the Lord comes back, <laughs> I've got this outfit. And I'm thinking the only just in case I know is that safe auto, safe, safe auto. I don't know what just in case means. But she began to explain to me how you need these clothes just in case. Any ladies, are you like that? Come on now, be honest. Shame on you. I got back problems. <laughs> There is that process through the airport, and when you go on a trip, you have to take luggage. And thinking about that, I realized that we're on a journey in this faith walk. And we take this trip, and some of us know the destination, and for others, there's a lot of detours. And over the course of our life, I tend to believe that we collect a lot of luggage, both those carry-on items which are a little smaller. I don't mean to say that they're petty, the things that you've uh, experienced in your lifetime. But then there's those carry-on things, those big things that have weighed you down and have almost suffocated the life right out of you. What I've learned in my lifetime is that everybody has wounds. Everybody has pains. Everybody has hurt. Everybody has shed a tear. And the thing that just amazes me is how so many of those pains are caused by other people and what other people do to us and what other people say to us. Now, there's the luggage that you and I can carry around caused by the decisions that we make in this lifetime. But then there's the luggage that weighs us down because of what others have done to us. And if we're not careful, that luggage will literally kill us. I mean, I know one man, I've heard of one man uh, during this economic crisis has lost $500,000 in the stock market. I don't know if that's a lot of money to you or not, but to me, that's a lot of cash. And I wonder the weight that he feels because of the lost investment 
and the struggle that he and his family may be facing now when before everything was okay. There's that heaviness that sometimes we feel. Maybe there's somebody here and you're dealing with the luggage that you're carrying through your marriage because that marriage is on the rocks. I mean, people are dealing with stuff that they've just started carrying. And there are people in this room that you've got this luggage that you haven't carried for a long time, but you've carried for a lifetime. And it's weighing you down. And I want this morning to deal with that luggage, to deal with those issues in your life so that you can begin to breathe again and experience freedom found in Jesus Christ. Here's the reality of this word over the next few minutes. You can either experience how it feels to be free or you can allow the luggage you've been carrying to suffocate the life right out of you. See, when you have unpacked luggage in your life, it puts you in a constant state of worry. Now, I didn't want to come here this morning and be an uneducated pastor. And when I studied about worry... I found that we get this word worry from a German word. And so because I didn't want to miss, you know, pronounce this word, I called my friend Sammy Bird. And Sammy and he is, he and his family lived many, many years in Germany. And as kind as he was to me, I'm sure that when he hung up the phone, he thought, poor, poor child. <laughs> One thing I learned is that when you speak German, the W's become V's. Did you know that? Right. So this word worry comes from this German word, Vergen. Vergen. Did I say it right? When we hung up, because I have ADD, I had a good time with this word. I mean, the whole time I was like, Vergen, right? You probably never tried that, but it was a lot of fun. And when I studied this word, Vergen, over and over, and realized that it was our English word for worry, the actual definition of worry means to choke or to strangle. And what often happens is that when we carry around luggage, whether it be carry-on stuff, smaller things, or when we carry the larger issues that we've dealt with in our life, we begin to worry about those things. And what happens is we literally are choked to death or strangled to death, not only in spiritual terms, but also in your physical life. Uh, One writer put it this way, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strengths. Uh, check this out. Worry robs us of things that are important in this life. We lose our joy, our energy, our peace, and even at times we lose our health. Worry keeps us from enjoying not what we've lost, but what we have now. Now, I want to look at these two different types of bags, these two different types of luggage. First, the carry on and then the check in. But I want you to understand, and I'm mentioned this earlier that the heart of this message is going to deal with the luggage you're carrying based upon what other people have done to you. I told you, you can carry stuff that you caused to happen on your own life, but I want to talk about the stuff that other people have done to you. So let's start with the small stuff, the carry on items on this journey. A song of Solomon chapter two, number 15, the Bible says this, catch us 
the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. Now, the Shulamites brothers, they called on Solomon to catch these foxes because many times they had seen these little foxes gnawing away at the roots of the things that were planted in the vineyard. And I think that a lot of times it's not just the heavy luggage that can kill us, but it's the little stuff. Because what happens is we allow the little things that happen in our life to gnaw away at the root of who we are, which is our heart. And so it's things like this. Someone's poor attitude. Anybody ever had that happen? I, I thought about this yesterday while getting ready. That somebody's poor attitude will determine the longevity of how long you stay at that particular place. For example... If you have a job at a company and constantly there is someone that has a poor attitude towards you, if you can't get it resolved, then A, it's going to determine the longevity because you're going to quit, or B, it will determine their longevity because you will kill them. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody that's got a poor attitude towards you, but I know when it happens to me, at that moment, I'm like, oh, blessed and highly favored art thou. No, I'm like, come here. And oftentimes, somebody's poor attitude isn't just at work. It's not just in the church, but it's even in your home. People can have a poor attitude towards you, and they're your own family. And for somebody here, something has happened some time ago, and they copped an attitude with you. And because of their attitude, you've missed holiday after holiday. You've missed Easter together. You've skipped out on birthday parties, all because of somebody's poor attitude. And you've been carrying around the weight of their attitude towards you far too long. Uh, here's another area that I thought about, gossip or rumors. Um, I love to work with teenagers. It's what I do. And if you were to give them a theme of their life, I think this would have to be one. Because gossip and rumors are constantly spread about teenagers. But isn't it the same way with us? There is even a, a TV show that some teenagers you into called the Gossip Girls. And gossip and rumors can seem to be a theme that runs throughout our lifetime. And one of the things that I've realized about people that gossip and spread rumors about us... It's not because they want to be on the level we are. It's because they want us to be on the level they are. And so they'll spread things about you that you know are absolutely untrue. They'll lie about you to your face when you're not around. They will spread rumors in order to change the perception of the people that they're talking to about you. And sometimes what happens is our flesh wants to rise up and say, hold on, this is not the truth. But yet these people, they will not stop. They will continue to spread gossip. They will continue to spread rumors, hoping that somebody believes that the integrity which you stand for really is not there. And we carry this around because people will say stuff about you that's not true. People will lie about you and you know it's not true. And sometimes we just have to step back and take it. And we carry it around. Uh, here's another area. Hurtful words. Wow. When I was in, it's, isn't it funny how you remember things? Isn't it easy to remember the hurtful words than it is the positive words? You know the old saying, Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. What a lie. Hey, when Lakeland comes, I never want to teach him that because words do hurt. Not only the words that we hear, but the words that we speak, they hurt. And some of the things that people say about you can last with you for a lifetime. I'll give you 
a little story about me when I was in the fourth grade. I had a little longer hair. And one day my mom decided to give me a perm. You laugh. And at that moment in my life, I thought two things. One, what is wrong with my mom? And two, why am I allowing this to happen to me? And do you remember what happened after you gave me that perm? Yeah, how can we forget? My hair knotted up and kinked up. And I remember you forcing me to go to school. And the kids at school, they called me Mophead. Oh, it's funny, huh? And I remember coming home, and if I remember correctly, I was so upset and so just heartbroken. And mom says this, and maybe you've said this to your kids or your parents have said this to you. They're making fun of you because they want to be like you. And I thought, who wants to have a mop on their head? I don't understand that. And the kids, they just continued to ridicule me and make fun of my hair. And what we don't realize is even though it was fourth grade, those words continued on. There were some students that I went to elementary school with and junior high school with and even senior high school with. And they continued to refer to me as mophead. And, you know, even though that sounds a little funny, what about some of the words that have been spoken against you? By people that you loved and by people that you trusted. And yet when they spoke, they spoke out of anger and out of hate. Those words carry us and we can carry those hateful words for the rest of our lives. Uh, Here's another area. Uh, Broken promises. Broken promises. Uh, Some of you have had promises that were made to you by someone that you were close to and they didn't keep those promises. I I told this in the first service, so I think it's a... Appropriate to tell again, but when my father passed away and it was my mom and I and my sister and uh, we lived in a single parent home and my mom did everything she could to help us and to make ends meet. I don't think we ever really wanted or needed anything. We didn't have maybe some of the luxuries that you had or others that you know may have, but we had a family and we had a home, but we got connected with this man and this may Bring back some memories who made a lot of promises to us and to our family. Uh, This man seemed to be quite wealthy. He had his own business and he began to explain to our family that we would never have to worry again. We would never be in need again. And I'm 13 years old and I don't know if you remember exactly, mom, but it's just funny how broken promises we can carry that around when he took us to this mansion of a home. This house must have been $1.5 million or more. I mean, it was beautiful. And on the back of this house was a guest quarters. And the man began to explain to us that we could move out of the condo that we were living in. And once things got worked out, we could move into this guest quarters and everything would be fine. We didn't have to worry about bills. We didn't have to worry about food. He was here and he would take care of us. Well, not too long after those promises were made, He stopped answering phone calls and with a little bit, I mean, a little bit of investigating, we realized that the house we visited wasn't even his home. It was occupied by somebody else and the money that was promised, the uh, guarantee that we would be safe was no longer there. And I remember finding out the truth about that man 
And at that moment, I thought, I would like to run into him. But I wasn't thinking like, oh, hey, how you doing? I mean, I'd like to get in a car and run into him. Anybody ever felt that way? I would like to take this car and literally run into the man. Because broken promises, they hurt. And we carry those things around for so very long. And I was reminded not too long ago what the Bible says in Psalm 118, verse number 8. That it is better to put our confidence in God than to put our trust into man. Somebody say amen. Because men will let us down. They will make promises that they cannot keep. But God's promise is that he'll never leave us. That he'll never forsake us. That he will be with us until the end of... You see? But we've got these broken promises. And then the other category that I thought about was this area of people stealing something from you. Whatever that means for you in your life, but what about when people steal stuff? Um, I don't know if you've ever been a victim of a robbery, but you feel so exposed, so violated. You uh, may not have known this, but my mom and dad, they owned in Lakeland, Florida, a business called the Golden Gavel Auction. I don't know how old I was, but I loved going to that auction. I loved the smell of the greasy concession stand french fries. I drank more 25-cent hot cocoa than anybody on the face of the planet. And I remember looking at, I don't know if you've ever been to an auction or not before, but I remember seeing all the different items and having no money but raising my hand, you know, like I was maybe eight, nine, ten years old. I remember the auctioneer. I mean, he was so fast with his words and the numbers. And one day, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I went up to him. I said, how do you do that? And he said, you have to say this. Sally sells, she sells by the seashore five times fast. I thought, are you kidding me? He was, but didn't tell me till after I tried it. And my mom and dad, they were in a partnership with another man and his wife. And I remember the day that we walked in and they had stolen all of it, everything, gone. All the investment, all the money, all the time, everything, gone. And sometimes we carry around these things and literally, if we're not careful, they destroy us. They take the life right out of us. It's luggage. Now the big stuff. Now the stuff that really hurts. You know, pastor saying that he loves to say so much is, I'm not running for office and I'm not a politician, so I'm not here to win friends and influence people. Uh, some of these areas may make some of you very uncomfortable, but I guarantee you people are affected by them. And they live each day with the weight of the bags from the pain that they felt because of other people. And the reason that I'm bringing you this word this morning, yeah, because God laid it on my heart, but even in addition to that, because I want you to experience true freedom today. I want you to experience life with a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't think that you can waste another moment carrying your problems around anymore. I don't think that you need to waste another minute of your life being weighed down by somebody else's stupidity. Somebody say amen. You don't need to waste another second or take this hate that you have into this new year. It's not worth worrying about. Do you ever question how well you may know your church family or even your own family at that? Because there are people in this sanctuary who have been carrying around serious luggage far too long. Like the wife who's been physically or worse, even mentally abused. How about the person who's checked in the I've been cheated on 
over and over, time and time again, luggage. How can I forgive? How can I trust? Do you ever think about the person that might be sitting next to you that as a child was molested by a relative or even raped? And they never wanted to say anything because they felt as if they said something, they might be looked at as the ones who were guilty. And so they carried around their whole life. What about the father who was abusive and addicted to pornography? And so that generational curse has been passed down to you and you're angry at your father because of his habit. It's now yours. It doesn't have to be. How about the person uh, who is addicted to some form of drugs and that's affected you by that generational curse? Maybe there's a young person here and recently your mom announced that not only were you not planned, you were an accident and you were never even wanted. They wish that you were never even born. Oh, that doesn't happen, does it not? You'd be surprised at how many students come to me with tears in their eyes because they come from a family that shows them no love. This is the heavy luggage, the luggage that you've been dealing with and carrying around, hiding it not only from you, but from everybody else. It's time to deal with it. What about the lady who's sitting here this morning and 20 years ago or more in high school, you and your high school sweetheart ended up getting pregnant and you were too young and too afraid. And so you had an abortion, but nobody has ever known. And you carry around the guilt of that luggage. What about the fact that some of you, your dad ran out on you and your mom and you have hate towards that man. And not only towards that man, but you hate every other man because of what he's done to you. You can never really love a male figure. It's serious stuff. You've never heard the words, I love you or I'm proud of you. Someone in your family was murdered. Maybe hit by a drunk driver or killed overseas and there's anger inside of your heart because of the crime that was committed against the person who's dead and against you and your family. Luggage that you've checked in so you can hide it from others and so that you don't have to deal with it. This is the luggage that you can't shake. And it's suffocating the very life right out of you. See, what happens is you allow these things you're dealing with to stay buried deep down inside of you until it begins to fester. And before, it, before you know it, it weighs you down and it kills who you are. I want you to feel a release. Feel a release from the heaviness. Feel a release from the burden. Feel a release from what has happened to you. And the best way to do that is to forgive. Is to forgive. Uh, when getting ready for this, I came across a video. And I want to show it to you. It's about 40 seconds or so long. Because there's something about children and how they define certain things. And I want you to see and hear the viewpoint of these kids when they talk about why do we need forgiveness. So watch this video and then we'll talk more about forgiveness. Why do we need to forgive? There wasn't forgiveness in the world. God won't even forget give us. Forgiveness is like giving somebody a second chance. And God always wants us to give a second chance to other people. Because otherwise, if we didn't forgive, we might lose all our friends. Because we would just say, I'm not your friend. You're not my you did something wrong. You messed up my stuff. And then everybody would have no friends except imagine they were friends. 
If I'm honest with you, this word forgiveness has been in my heart for weeks. The very reason that we just celebrated Christmas was because of forgiveness. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whosoever would choose to believe in him would not only have life, but they would have that life forevermore. See, God did not send his son to condemn this world, but he sent his son that this world might be saved through him. Weeks, this thought of forgiveness has been on my mind. Fortunately, I'm given the opportunity to speak at a number of schools every single week. And I spoke about forgiveness at both middle schools in this county that I visited and a local high school. I spoke about forgiveness on the last Wednesday night before our annual student Christmas party. I talked about forgiveness because there's something about forgiveness that changes the heart of who we are. We become humble and we swallow our pride and we realize it's not really about us at all. But because God loved me so much through all of my mess ups, through all of my slip ups, surely I can choose to forgive somebody else. You know, unfortunately, there's still someone here that says you don't know what they've done. You don't know the pain that I feel because of that person. You've got their picture in your mind you got their name on the end of your tongue and you know what they did and when they did it and you're saying i cannot forgive them let me show you luke chapter 6 verse number 37 do not judge and you will not be judged do not condemn and you will not be condemned if we can read this last line with me forgive and you will be forgiven hear me this morning I believe that many people that attend not only this church, but churches across this country, they look at the life of a minister, they look at the life of a pastor, and they think, wow, they got it all together. Nothing ever seems to go wrong for them. How is it that everything works out for them and all hell breaks loose in my life? That's not the truth. I'm telling you, with every bit of transparency that I can, I know exactly how you feel. I know every pain that you feel because of what somebody else did. I know every hurt that you've experienced. But I also know this, that there is freedom through forgiveness. I know that it hurts and I know that you get angry and I know that there's pain. But I also know that when we choose to forgive, we experience freedom like never before. So what does it mean to forgive? Well, here's a few things. One, it means to let go. Somebody's got to get past step one right there and just let go. Uh, The next thing is let go and then leave behind to dismiss, to cancel a debt. And this is what I'm trying to say. A lot of our luggage, a lot of our baggage, which represents our hurt, is caused by what others have done to us. But listen to this. We should let go of other people's sins because he let go of ours. We should dismiss other people's faults because he dismissed ours. We should cancel other people's debts because he, being Jesus Christ, canceled ours. We've got to learn to forgive. As hard as it may be, as difficult as it may feel, you've got to find a place in your heart to allow room for forgiveness. So this morning, there are three things 
very fast that I want to share with you. Three things you can chew on about forgiveness. Number one is this. Forgiveness is commanded. It's commanded. C-O-M-M-A-N-D-E-D. Commanded. And if you want to get to heaven, you have to forgive. You've got to forgive those that have hurt you. You've got to forgive those that have done you wrong. I'm not saying call them up and invite them over to play a game of Monopoly. But what I'm saying is you've got to find a place in your heart to learn to forgive. I didn't make it up. I'll show you in God's word. Matthew 6 verses 14 and 15. In prayer, there's a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. See, if you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. Forgiveness is a requirement of God. And if you want to be forgiven, then God commands you. He commands you to forgive. Now, I want you to kind of chew on this as well. Because we've heard the saying our whole lives that, you know, forgive and... Forgiving is not forgetting. Forgiving is not forgetting. As a matter of fact, it's the exact opposite. Because when we choose to forgive the person that has done us wrong, it's remembering exactly what they did to us, but choosing not to focus on the hurt, but deciding to move on from the pain. It's remembering exactly what happened. And what I think tends to happen with us, you know, we pretend that we're never hurt, that we were never done wrong, that everything's always okay. And what happens is when we pretend, we always fail because we fool ourselves and the memories, they come back over and over and over again. And we're hurt by it. Forgiving is not forgetting. Forgiving is remembering what happened and then choosing to move past the hurt. Two more. Forgiveness is not conditional. It's not conditional. No matter what condition you find yourself in, forgiveness is unconditional. It's unrestricted and it's unreserved. We must learn to forgive those who have hurt us regardless of how bad it hurts. Still, you're thinking, I can't. There's no way. It's too much pain. Too much hurt. I just wonder... What if God chose to take the stance you're taking when it comes to things that we've done wrong? What if God thought, because you do realize that when we sin, we hurt the very heart of God. And I wonder that when we make mistakes, because there's none, not perfect, no, not one. That when we make those mistakes, what if God chose to take the same attitude that we take towards that person that's hurt you? Uh, When I was preparing this. I came across this song. I don't know why God laid this song on my heart because I, I don't know it that well, but I couldn't get the verse or the chorus out of my mind or my head. And it's not that I love this song, but I love the way that the words make me think about my own life and how when I make mistakes, it does hurt the very heart of God and how thankful I am that he doesn't operate the way that we operate, but he forgives Just like he loves unconditionally. But the song is by a man who uh, was just a a true follower of Jesus Christ. And 
He was world-renowned in the Christian industry of music, and you probably heard of him. His name is Ray Bolts, and now he's living a lifestyle, unless he's repented, that doesn't line up with the Word of God. But when he wrote this song and he shared the words with us, I want you to think about how when we sin, we do hurt the heart of God and how thankful we are that he doesn't treat us the way that we treat others. It says this. They tell me Jesus died for my transgressions. That he paid that special price long, long time ago when he gave his life for me on a hill called Calvary. But there's something else that I want to know. Does he still feel the nails every time I feel? Can he hear the crowd cry, crucify again? Am I causing him pain? Then I know I've got to change. Cause I just can't bear the thought of hurting him. No. No, I just can't bear the thought of hurting him. Every time we sin, We hurt the heart of God, but oh, how thankful we can be that he forgives just like he loves unconditionally. Here's the last thought. Forgiveness must be continual. Continual means repeated. It means frequent, constant, persistent. Repeated, frequent, constant, persistent, repeated, frequent, constant, persistent, repeated, frequent, constant, persistent, repeated, frequent, constant, persistent. Why does he keep going? Well, this is why. Because the moment that we forgive somebody, somebody else comes and does us wrong. The moment that we choose to forgive, then somebody else, they come our way and they hurt us. It's like, I don't know if it's a joke. I know it's not a nursery rhyme, but you remember when you used to say this one, Pete and repeat, sitting on a log and Pete fell off and who was left? You didn't want to say it though, did you? Oh, Pete and repeat, sitting on a log and Pete fell off and who was left? I don't know about you, but I'm glad I don't have friends like Pete that just fall off logs. But forgiveness is continual. Because we move from one area of our life and past one hurt, we let go of one bag and then somebody else steps in and they hurt us. And it's unfortunate that there will be people who always hurt you. There's always going to be people that wound you and damage you. But you must get into your heart and into your mind that you will always give Forgiveness. I I love this thought and I'm closing here. Forgiveness is not run by computers. Forgiveness is ran by compassion. There should be no restriction, meaning no limit or restraint. And there should be no reservation, no hesitation to forgive. Wow. When Jesus was moments away from being crucified, the Bible says that he went to the garden and he prayed So fervently that the sweat from his brow turned to 
drops of blood. The agony he must have felt knowing what was yet to come. Even though knowing that was the will for his life, I'm sure that he was hoping for another way. Just as Abraham hoped for another way so that he didn't have to kill his own son. And yet, falling on his knees, Jesus cries out to the top of his lungs. Take this cup from me in pain and worry and fear. And then he had a revelation of what was to come. And moments later he said, well, not my will, but thy will be done. And so the soldiers came and they arrested Jesus. And at that moment they begin to beat Jesus, spit in his face and cuss at him. They laughed at him and made fun of him. They played games at the foot of the cross. They gambled for his clothes. And there he was beaten beyond recognition. And yet even in the life of Jesus, we see that one of the very last messages that was ever preached was when Jesus looked down, moments away from breathing his last last breath, beaten on the cross, and he looks at the crowd and he says, Father! Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. A few years ago, one of the greatest men that I've ever met did something beyond recognition in the life of our family. I'm not going to go into detail because it's not important to you, but I will say this, that he's no longer here. And the pain that I feel and the hate that I feel because of his selfishness at times has kept me from really experiencing freedom through forgiveness. Let me say this to you. I'm talking not just about any ordinary man, but a man who taught me everything I know about being a man. The man who stepped to the plate to teach me how to shave when my dad was gone. The man who taught me to be a man of integrity and chivalry. I remember as if it was yesterday, one of the last conversations I had with him as we sat at that table and he said, JC, don't you ever, and he was a big man, not fat, but muscular. I remember seeing a video of him bench pressing 425 pounds, throwing it in the air and clapping twice. And he looked at this book and he said, JC, don't you ever water down this word. And just sometime later for him to be gone. Not just any ordinary man, but a man that stood right here on my wedding day as my best man. I know exactly how you feel to harbor unforgiveness. But I'm telling you that to say this. You have a chance to say I I forgive you to whoever it may be for him. It's too late. He's gone. He's gone. And so we're left to pick up the pieces. I can't tell you how many times I've cried out to God. I forgive you. 
I forgive you. But yet there's something inside of me that at times when I think about what he has done, it hurts. And I get so mad. Is anybody with me? But yet Jesus says, forgive them for they know not what they do. When you came in this morning, you were given a card. And that card, you can put it on the screen for them to see. Supposed to represent like a a luggage tag. And this is the only way I I know how to close this message. So I'm just going to allow God to do it this way. But you can fill out no information, a little information, or as much as you want. But if you feel as though that this message was for you and you've been carrying around the weight of so many pains and hurts and you've carried around unforgiveness for so long, I want you to fill this card out. And I want you, as Pastor Zach begins to sing, I want you to bring it to this altar and lay it here. I'll be honest, I'd love if everybody moved, but if there was one, that would be just great. Because I believe that for someone today, you're not going to waste another moment with this unforgiveness on your heart. You're going to move into a brand new year, being a brand new you. And this is the beginning of your new life, a life where you can breathe again, a life where you can be happy again and experience all that God has promised us. So, Pastor Zach, if you will, if you'll lead us in that song, and if you can, across this whole sanctuary, stand to your feet with me. And I want you to join in in worship, and when you feel led by God to bring that card up here, if you don't have one, there's ushers that are moving around to give you one. But there is no set time for you to come. Whenever you're ready, I want you to move. And then I want you to bring that card, lay it in this altar, and stand here for just a moment so that I can pray for you at the end of this service. Oh, how He loves us so. Oh, how He loves us. How He loves us. another moment or two I'm not here to waste your time but I just want God to begin to move on the hearts of these people as they come it's not about anybody else in this sanctuary but just between you and the Lord if you're tired of carrying around the luggage you're tired of carrying around the bags you're tired of carrying around the weight and you just want to have a heart of forgiveness and choose to forgive because he chose to forgive us then this service and this altar call is just for you And church, as you stand there and you worship with us, I want you to begin to pray for every person that's come to this altar. And I want you to begin to ask God to do in their lives what 
He's done in yours. Come on, let's sing it again. He loves us. Yes, you do, Jesus. Yeah, He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Yeah, He Jesus, you love us, Jesus. Sweetest name that we know. You love us, Jesus. Despite our faults, despite our, despite all of our mess ups, you love us. You see past all of the mistakes, and you see right to our heart. And that's what we're asking today: that we would be able to see through the faults of other people and see the heart that you created because even though there are people that have done us wrong and it's intentional they were created in your image and it is your desire and your purpose for them to find a relationship with you and the greatest gift we could ever give would be the gift of forgiveness and the greatest gift we could ever receive would be the gift of forgiveness let us have it Jesus come on one more time and then we'll pray let's sing it every hand stretched towards these that are standing in this altar if you can for somebody in this altar this is going to be the moment that defines the rest of their life it will be the day where the direction and the course of who you are is forever changed it will be the moment that you remember forever how you realize that God loved you so much that you can overcome your anger and your guilt and your hate and you can too choose and learn to forgive Church family, I I want you to help me pray out loud and I'll pray for them. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch every heart that's standing right here, God. Touch every heart, God. You know the pain. You know the wounds. You see the tears. You know the heartache. You know everything, God. You know it all, Lord. You know everything, Jesus. God, we couldn't write out all of the stuff that is being brought to this altar right now. But you know it, Lord. And we give it to you. And-